welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Welcome. How good are our teams? They are so good. I want to start today by uh, correcting something that I said last time I spoke. It's important to, uh, to be careful of your words. So last time I spoke, I went home and my husband said, I did not swim a 10K ocean swim. I swam an 11.2K ocean swim. So I just want to shout out to JD, who swam 11.2Ks. The story that that was in was about his identity. He couldn't swim and he chose to do an ocean marathon. He took on the identity of a marathon swimmer. So everything he heard after that point was about how he could improve his behaviour and performance and he didn't hear a single thing that said, you can't do this. So, 11.2K. He's not here today. He is a uh, commissioner for Motorsport Australia. So four or five times a year he gets to race and he's off racing cars today. So I'm free to misrepresent any story I like. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So last time I spoke, I also said that at some point I'd tell you what some of the things are on this table that's been prepared for you. We're talking about Psalm 23, prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So... We're going to explore a few of those things today. We're not going to touch on all of them because there's a gasquillion of them. So we're just going to explore a few today. Um, It's not going to be an exhaustive list because with God there's always more. Is that okay? All right. When I was seven years old, my parents went overseas for six weeks And they sent my brother and I off to my grandparents in the Sunshine Coast. And my grandparents uh, took care of us. And the condition was that we would be sent to school because we were young and they were old. And six weeks is a really long time. So I have really vivid memories of this school that we were sent to. It was a private Christian school. And I won't name it. And I believe that I was sent there purely because the bus went past the front of my grandma's house and so she wouldn't have to do the school run, which I understand. So my mum says that my memories of this school are embellished and I spoke to her this week about it and she's like, that didn't happen. I'm like, mum, what would you know? You were overseas before the internet. We didn't talk. We didn't FaceTime. We had no communication. I got a telegram once a week if, you don't, if you're too young to know what a telegram is, go home and Google it. We got a telegram once a week from our parents. They had no idea what was happening in our lives, um, apart from the fact that they trusted our grandparents to care for us. So mum says my stories are embellished. I called my brother this week, who's older than me, and he says, yeah, that absolutely happened. And so um, this school was very rigid, and they still um, had the cane, so... In the 80s. Is that normal? Anyway. um, So students at this school were seated in individual cubicles. You sat by yourself in a cubicle. You were given a booklet. You filled in the booklet. When you finished the booklet, you put a flag up. You had to use the right colour flag. Teacher would bring a new booklet for you to do. Ken's nodding. Did you go to this school? (laughs) (laughs) So there was no group work. There was no mat time. One of the rules of this school was no talking. No talking to the teachers, no talking to the students. 
no talking. I did not do well at this school. (laughs) You might as well have said no breathing. So I learned two things when I was at this school. And the first was this. It was Maroochydore, it was 40 degrees, it was summer, it was high humidity. If you talked, you got kept in at lunchtime for detention in an air-conditioned classroom. I had detention every single day of those six weeks. And in hindsight, my grandmother must have been very frustrated by the phone calls that she received from the school. The second thing that I learnt at that school was this. They had a challenge. And the challenge had a prize. And if you know me, you know that winning is everything. (laughs) And second place is the first loser. (laughs) And... (laughs) true. (laughs) So I was all about this challenge and the prize was that you got to go to McDonald's for lunch. Now if you had a prize today that was McDonald's for lunch I'd be like, eh, I'm still going to win but can I just keep the cash? So McDonald's is no longer a, a motivation to me but when I was seven it was. So I was going to I determined in my heart I was going to win this challenge. And the challenge was this. It was to learn Psalm 23 off by heart. And I did. From the old King James. With the these and thous. And I could still recite it for you today. 39 years later. And I'm super grateful that I went to that school. Because I got to hide that in my heart. And I've known it all these years. I told you that story to tell you this. Based on Psalm 23, seven-year-old Penny had a different understanding of who God was than what 46-year-old Penny does. Was seven-year-old Penny wrong? No. I haven't thrown away what I learned as a seven-year-old. What I've done is I've added and grown in my understanding of who he is of who God is. Yes, he is this and. Yes, and. God is more than we're going to comprehend in this lifetime. He just is. He's infinite. This means that he's without limits of any kind. We have limits in our life. We have limits of time. We have limits of space, circumstances, limits of ability, limits of resources and energy. And so we find it difficult to comprehend that God is limitless. 2 Chronicles 2 verse 6 says, Heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him. If you're taking notes, that's 2 Chronicles chapter 2 verse 6. So here's three things we know about God. And I might not pronounce them correctly, and that's okay. Can I get a 20-minute timer up on the screen up there for me, please? The first thing we know, and these are not the only things that we know about God, but the first thing we know here is that he's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's the master of every situation. He's omnipotent, which means he knows all things. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, His understanding is infinite. 
He's also omnipresent, which means he's all present or ever present. Jeremiah 23, 24 says this. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Do I not fill heaven and earth? God is infinite. And we have the opportunity today to look at Psalm 23 again. And you can think, oh, I know this one. Like seven-year-old Penny knew this one. Or you can purpose in your heart today that you're going to hear from Holy Spirit. Something that you can add to your knowledge and your current understanding of who God is and what he's got prepared for you. Because it's yes and. There's always more with God. So here's some things that are on the table for us. We're going to go through a handful of things that are on the table and we're going to talk about how we can add to our knowledge of who God is. When I was seven, I had seven-year-old challenges, seven-year-old problems. How do I get into detention today? (laughs) It's too hot outside. And I thought like a seven-year-old. I had seven-year-old responsibilities. I would love to have seven-year-old responsibilities. My daughter's eight, and if all I had to do was remember my violin on Monday and my library books on Friday, I'd be killing it. (laughs) And I had a seven-year-old relationship with God. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, I shall not want... I shall not go without. I had been taught by that age that it's Father God and that he's better than an earthly God. And my parents were great parents. So this was really good news, that God was good and that he was my father. That's great news. And I'd been taught the name Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So I knew from Psalm 23 verse 1 that I'd be provided for. I had confidence that everything I needed would be provided for me, both via my earthly parents and via my Father God. And he only knows how to give good gifts. So what I understood Psalm 23 to be when I was seven was about provision. It's about a God who provides. And I've grown in the knowledge of that because my life has changed and I've had opportunity to see more. When we were in our 40s, my husband and I signed a contract for a piece of land. We had approval from the bank to buy that piece of land. They said they'd loan us a certain amount of money and they pulled out of the contract 23 days before we had to settle. We were hundreds of thousands of dollars short and we couldn't find any other bank that would step in. But we felt strongly that God had given us the green light to buy this property for a purpose. And we knew that he provides. It's who he is. And we knew that there was a promise attached to our obedience in our tithing. So somehow, in those 23 days, and I still can't do the math, 
the money turned up, and I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, turned up. And we bought that land, and this is who God is. A week later, we got a check in the mail that we were not expecting, and it was from a company we were involved with years ago. They had settled some books and some money turned up. And we had enough money to buy our first quad bike and a trailer and some helmets. So this land that we bought is now our farmhouse, and... God doesn't just provide what you need. He's abundant. He provided the fun. And we spent a year going down there, towing our quad bike down there, lighting campfires, cooking sausages and riding around in the mud. And our kids think it's the best thing ever. We have three rocks at the front of that property that we purchased and put there. And now because he is a way maker and a promise keeper and something else... So those are our memorial stones to remember that God gave us that land. Now, that's a story of provision, and it sounds like a story of God providing finances. But actually, that property has had over 150 people come down there and stay and receive peace and blessing and rest and restoration. And God provided that. Beyond us, beyond OEA, we've got a holiday house. It's beyond that. It's blessed many, many families because he provides. I'm not seven anymore with my seven-year-old needs. I'm not even 40 anymore with my 40-year-old needs. Does God still provide? Yes. And Psalm 23 verse 4 says... Yea, they I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, when I was seven, I was not a shepherd. I didn't know anything about shepherds. And my entire experience of the word rod was in the context of spare the rod, spoil the child. And here's another verse that I knew off by heart when I was seven. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. (laughs) So my seven-year-old perspective of this verse was better do the right thing or it will hurt me. In my 20s, having grown further in my understanding that this psalm was written by a shepherd... I realised that a rod is used by a shepherd to protect the sheep from predators. It's protection. And a staff is used to guide sheep and keep them on the path, like the bumper bowls we put up in the bumpers in the gutters when we take the kids bowling we put them up and I pretend it's for the kids, it's for me. (laughs) That's what the staff does. It keeps the sheep on the right path. What if I had stopped forever at my seven-year-old understanding of Psalm 23? I would have viewed God as an old man with a stick, ready to strike me if I stepped out of line. That's sad. Some of us have some bad ideas about who God is based on past experience. And I encourage you to keep adding to your knowledge and understanding of who he is. Don't stop and make camp at the first place you come to. There's more. 
He's infinite. There's always more. Take the position in your heart of knowing that he's infinite and that there's always more of his character and nature to be revealed to us. Always more. We never get there. He's bigger than we understand. So I'm not seven anymore. And is God still a God of provision? Yes, and. And is he a God of protection? Yes, and. When I was 22, I worked for a charity in the inner city commission high-rises that worked with kids. This bit's a bit hard. So, I knew that some of these children were being physically and sexually abused by people in their homes. And at the end of the day's program, I had to take these children back to these houses. Because to have the department remove children, you have to go through... Certain measures have to be met to show evidence. So I would struggle at the end of the day when I had to take these children back. And I had to talk to one of my leaders about it and say, I can't do this. And this is what she shared with me. A verse I'd known since I was seven. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. Our soul is where our mind and our will and our emotions live. And it's where your memory lives. And my leader encouraged me that God restores our emotions and he restores our memories. And restore means to refresh, repair or recreate. Refresh, repair or recreate. He restores my soul. He's infinite, he's all-knowing, he's always present and he's all-powerful. And he restores your soul. He takes your soul where your emotions and your memories live and he refreshes, repairs and recreates it. He takes the broken bits and restores it to his original design. I believe better than you. Does this make abuse of any kind... Okay, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I was able to add to my prayers for them for protection and for a change in circumstance. I was able to add and declare wholeness for their souls. I was able to declare wholeness for their emotions and wholeness for their memories. And I know some of these children today as adults and they are free from their past hurt because God is a restorer. So if you need restoration for your soul, please come and speak to me or any other leader in this church because we would love to help you and God would love to restore you. I'm not 22 anymore working with those children. Is God still a God of provision and protection and restoration? Yes, and... I'm just going to touch on this one because we've spent a lot of time on this one this year. We've come to understand that at this table is his presence. He's a God of presence. He's presently want to connect 
wants to connect with you. He wants to sit face to face with you. We've spent a lot of time growing in our understanding of this. And if you need to, I encourage you to go back to past messages and listen to those again. Because God is a God of provision. He's a God of protection. He's a God of restoration. And he's a God of presence. And here's the one I wanted to get to today. In preparing this sermon, I realised I had not put this together in this way before. So... I've known Psalm 23 since I was seven and I had not had this thought before this week. He's prepared a table for us with power. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, You anoint my head with oil. Now this was written by King David, who was a shepherd, who became king of Israel. And most commentaries would agree that this psalm was written when he was already king. So he's looking back to when he was anointed with oil. Now, anoint means to set apart, to authorise and to equip for a task of spiritual importance. And that's what Psalm 23 says, you anoint my head with oil. You set me apart, you authorise me and you equip me for a task of spiritual importance. In Bible times, we see that uh, anointing with oil was used to proclaim God's blessing and his favour or a calling on a person's life. And in the case of kings, prophets and priests, it was to ordain them. And in the Old Testament, the oil was a symbol of Holy Spirit. So he's giving us Holy Spirit. Now, if we look at... At the story of David and how this all came about, King Saul had disobeyed God and God went, man, I regret making him king. That's the actual words, I regret making Saul king. He says that to Samuel, tells Samuel, go to Jesse's house and we're going to find one of his sons and we're going to make him the next king. So Samuel's obedient, he goes to Jesse's house, Jesse lines up his sons, he goes, not that one. Not that one, not that one, not that one. one. Goes through seven sons, goes, don't you have any more? Because it's none of these. And David is out in the field watching the sheep. He's the least, he's not important. He wasn't even invited to the party. And they call him in and Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. That's 1 Samuel 16 verse 13. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. What happened next? Who knows? The very next thing that happened. David went back to the field to tend the sheep. That's interesting. Write that on a post-it note. Stick it over there. We're going to talk about that another time. David's older brothers went off. with the armies to fight for King Saul against the Philistines. Now, while David was out sitting in the field, having been anointed, I believe this is when he killed the lion and the bear as the shepherd. His training ground for what was to come. Because not long after this, he was called out of the fields to go and take provisions to his brothers at the armies at the, the front where they were fighting. And this is when he killed Goliath. 
and you know the story, and if you don't, it's in 1 Samuel 17. You can read that and see how that came about. David acted with great power, and God's presence was with him, and he overcame Goliath. Psalm 23, 6, you anoint my head with oil. You set me apart, you authorise me, and you equip me for a task of spiritual importance. God's providing us with power. Power to endure. Power to lead. Power to influence. Power to make wise decisions. Power to change a culture. Power to save. And power to heal. Is God still a God of provision? Yes. And is God still a God of protection? Yes. And is God still a God of restoration? Yes. And is God still a God of presence? Yes. And he's a God of power. Can I have keys? Couldn't see Mitch. I was like, does anybody play the keyboard? (laughs) He prepares a table for you. And what he's prepared for you is provision you shall not want. He's provided protection. My rod and my staff will keep you and comfort you. He's given us restoration for our souls in verse 3. His presence is at this table waiting for you to come and sit face to face. And he's anointed you with oil, with the Holy Spirit of power. I encourage you to keep adding to your knowledge of who he is. Keep adding to your understanding of who God is. Yes, and don't stop at the first place you come to and make camp. If you do, you'll be missing out because he's infinite. Take the position of knowing that he's infinite, that you choose to always pursue and find more of his character, more of his nature, more of his truth. Ask him to reveal himself to you more. Can I ask you to stand with me? Let's close our eyes. If something that I've said today has resonated with you, if you want to know and experience more of God, your provider, or God, your protector, or God, your restorer, the God who's ever-present, and the God who gives us power. If you need to add to your current understanding of who he is, yes, and more, I invite you right now to place your hand on your heart. Acknowledge it to yourself. 
and to him. God, show me more. Just take a moment to speak to him about it and ask him to reveal himself in a deeper way. He will, because it's who he is. to reveal yourself to us in a deeper and greater way. Show us more, God. More of who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask the ministry team just to come forward?